Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined as always by Chris Bougay. Hey, Chris. Hey, Rachel. So we're a little bit late on this, but uh, you know, at the beginning of every uh, year, we like to talk a little bit about a year in review, a little bit of reflection here. So you ready for some statistics? I went and dug into our, uh, our, our, our numbers here a little bit and pulled out the top five episodes of last year. Uh, you ready for these? I'm ready. All right. So episode, uh, we'll go five, four, three, two, one. Sound good? So the fifth most popular episode of last year was Kara Cotter creating self-paced training for communication partners, part two. So that uh, that Kara Cotter episode was actually uh, to to 206 and 207. Part two was the, was the fifth most popular episode. Uh, most downloaded uh, podcast, Talking With Tech podcast episode of last year. That's awesome. I, that was kind of surprising, but I guess not really. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people are out there looking for opportunities to, more opportunities to learn about AAC and, oh, okay. And then maybe a lot of people that are listening are creating um, opportunities for other people to learn about AAC. And so this, it'd be a perfect episode to listen to because it's all about about that, right? It's about creating these sorts of training opportunities that other people can participate in. All right, Chris, what's number four? All right, number four is Tracy Kovach. And Tracy Kovach was also a two-part episode. And this was redefining the role of AAC professionals. Now, in that particular interview, Tracy talks a little bit about the history of AAC and then really talking about where we're going in the future. And, you know, she's been a legend in the field that has a lot of experience. So here we have Kara, who is relatively new, and then Tracy, who has been a veteran in the field. And that mix seems to be have an appeal for people. Love it. Yes. Tracy Kovach is definitely a legend. Are you ready for number three? Yes. So this was part one of Kara Cotter, where we talked about improving AAC training opportunities for teachers and families. So again, um, you know, sometimes I I haven't really dug into these numbers, but I, I, I have a feeling sometimes that when we do a part one and part two, our numbers would be a little bit lower in part two. Um, I don't know. I just a feeling I have about that. That certainly is not borne out here when I looked at the Kara Cotter numbers. Like, here we go. Kara Cotter part uh, part two is the fifth most popular episode and Kara Cotter part one is the third most popular episode. Again, all about training around AAC. Which I think makes sense because it's such a huge part of what we do in AAC, right? Like you can't successfully implement AAC without training and support and coaching and all these things that we have to do as professionals. So it's making perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Now, our second most popular, most downloaded episode of last year is Rachel Dorsey taking a neurodiversity affirming approach to therapy. Awesome, right? Way to go, Rachel Dorsey. <laughs> yes, love that interview. Rachel um, is really doing amazing work for the field and promoting neurodiversity. And I would definitely recommend listening to that episode if you haven't already. Yeah, I mean, they, this has been a big shift that I know... Um, so many people for many years have been trying to change the culture around disability to be more of uh, an acceptance. It used to be the word was, um, 
uh, I don't know, like I said, just we're trying to be more accepting. And the, just the title of this neurodiversity affirming is like, we're not trying to change who you are. We're trying to accept um, and work with who you are rather than think of it as some sort of bad things that need to be changed or, 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 um, uh, I don't know, altered in some way. It, the approach is more about teaching uh, new skills, right? And working with the skills that you have and just developing further skills. Exactly. And I think that, you know, neurodiversity affirming practices really, you know, of course we can think about AAC, which is a lot of what Rachel and I talked about. Um, but it really goes, you know, through, it's a thread that goes through all of the different clients that we work with. Um, and it's really like shifting the way that we are taught in a lot of ways, um, the way we were, we write reports, the way we write goals, what goals we're even deciding to work on. Um, so definitely love that episode and definitely love again, the work that Rachel Dorsey and others are doing in the field to really promote neurodiversity. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. That only leaves one episode left. The the most downloaded Talking With Tech episode of last year, 2022, is, well, first, do you want to take a guess? I have no idea. I like, <laughs> I really don't. I can't even guess, I don't think, but I'm so excited. All right. This, here we go. Drum roll. It is Ashley Laracy, Effective and Respectful Therapy Materials for Older Students. This was the most downloaded episode. I'm super excited. I'm going to actually go text Ashley and tell her that she made the, the primo spot on the podcast. And I think it's a testament, one, to the amazing work that Ashley's doing in the field. Um, she works with older students. And I think that it's just really challenging sometimes for clinicians who have older students on their caseload trying to figure out how we can support, you know, sometimes emergent communication skills and emergent literacy skills with, you know, a population of students who are, you know, in high school or beyond, how can we create opportunities for success there? And how can we, um, you know, think about age respectful materials and, you know, how do we shift the practices that we're doing when we're working with older students? Um, so definitely an awesome episode and excited um, for you guys to check it out if you haven't listened to that one yet. Okay. So guess what? Not only did I pull the most uh, downloaded episodes of 2022, but I also pulled the most downloaded episodes all time. So are, are you are you interested in learning what are the most downloaded episodes of all time? How about we do the top three? I love it. Yes, let's do it. Well, number three is actually Ashley Laracy. <laughs> it's the same episode is the third most all time, right? All time. Yeah. Uh, but number two is... Um, <laughs> someone we just recently had on the podcast and that we've had lots of conversation around, and that is Alexandria Zakos, supporting sub spontaneous speech in people who script. Uh, that not So not the episodes we just recently did, but the one that you did with Alexandria uh, back in, I don't know, a while ago, maybe. I think it was in 2021 we did that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think so. Um. So, and I think in that she does a, um, if you listen to our most re recent episode where Alexandria was, was on it with Marge Blanc, she, um, uh, I interrupt the, the flow of the four stages that they talk about asking questions in that particular episode, Alexandria has more of a, uh, it's, it's a more un uninterrupted about the different uh, stages. So you can get more crisp and clean. If you really want to learn about those four stages that she's talking about in that, in that particular episode, is that fair? 
Yeah. What's number one of all time, Chris? I'm so excited. Number one, most downloaded episode of all time for Talking With Tech so far, because we've got more to come and numbers could change uh, as uh, as time progresses, is Laura Hayes, How to Shape and Support AAC Stimming. Love it. These are all really awesome episodes that I'm excited to hear have performed so well. And it just means that, you know, it's kind of striking um, and resonating with people. Um, And I think these are all areas of our field where we're really trying to shift and open our minds up and trying to kind of do better for the clients that we serve. Um, So I think that's kind of the overarching thread amongst all of our kind of top downloads. And uh, that's awesome. I'm so excited. That was really fun because we're on our fifth year. Uh, This is like a five-year in review, isn't it, Chris? It's true. It's true. This is five years for us, and I couldn't be excited for the future of our podcast and um, where we're going. And I happen to know I've taken a little peek at what we've got coming up, and it's really exciting stuff. So thank you all who have been listening. Thank you to the new listeners. Thank you to the Patreon supporters for making this podcast continue to be possible. And also, Chris, this is kind of a, a teaser. We're almost at a million downloads which mm-hmm. I cannot believe. It's so crazy to think that we're almost at a million downloads for this podcast. Like we started this little podcast, not knowing what to expect and having just a few listeners and to think about how much it's grown over the last five years is just so exciting. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I can't wait to see how many more we have yet to come in the future. So without further ado, tell us a little bit about uh, the interview that's coming up later on. Well, coming up right now. Speaking of favorite episodes, Chris, after I hit stop on this recording with this interview, I was so excited that I actually sent you a Marco Polo video saying this might be my favorite episode of all time, which I don't say lightly. Um, But Chloe Rothschild, she is an autistic part-time AAC user. And we had the most amazing conversation about her experience using AAC sometimes, when she needs to use it, in what capacity. I feel like she did a really amazing job of sharing her experience and sharing insight that I had never thought of um, when we're thinking about part-time AAC use. We have some other episodes about part-time AAC use from part-time AAC users. Um, so definitely go check out uh, Alyssa Hillary Zisk and Brittany Dubay. Uh, we have three episodes from them. Um, but this one, Chris, I'm just super excited about. I can't wait for everyone to hear it. Me too. So without further ado, let's listen to Rachel's interview with Chloe Rothschild. We'd like to thank all of the wonderful Patreon supporters who make this show possible. This podcast is funded by listeners just like you who've signed up at patreon.com backslash talking with tech to show their support. Because of the generosity of our amazing Patreon community, we're able to pay Luke and Michaela, our podcast producer and audio engineer, who keep the show looking and sounding great. Patreon supporters also receive bonus content such as early access to interviews, behind-the-scenes recordings, additional curated resources and materials, and so much more. Check it out at patreon.com backslash talking with tech. Now let's head back into the episode. Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined today by Chloe Rothschild. Chloe is an autistic part-time AAC user, and I'm super excited to have you here today, Chloe. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. 
So just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. I'm super excited. We were connected um, when I was doing the AAC Awareness Month and you contributed a video for that. And I was like, do you want to come on the podcast? And I'm so excited that you're here because I have lots of questions and you have a really amazing experience to share. So first, just start off by introducing yourself and telling our listeners a little bit about you. My name is Chloe and I'm 30 years old and I have autism and I serve on the United States Board of Directors for the ARC, the national chapter. And I also serve on the Ohio Center for Autism and Low Incidence Advisory Board. Um, I also am the co-author of the My Interoception Workbook a guide for teens, adolescents, and adults. And I speak and advocate and write for about my experience with autism and help teach others so they can help others better. And I'm also a teacher's assistant in an autism classroom at a school for kids with autism. And also a day program and two. And I work with kids ages five to nine who are primarily non-speaking. I can't wait to kind of dive into that whole, you know, story and hearing about your experience there, because I'm sure you're able to relate with and help the students in that classroom so much, given your experience. Um, but first, before we do that, I want to talk about your personal experience with AAC. Um, oftentimes we're hearing things like, well, when, you know, a student has verbal speech, why would they need AAC? And so I want you to just share your experience. You know, why do you need to use AAC sometimes? Um, and share what that what that experience is like for you well because and i've had this experience before it was before i was an aac user but when i was i would write notes to communicate and one time in high school i wrote this note to this teacher and she was like uh tell me if you're gonna tell me if not put it in the recycling bin and go to the cafeteria and i was so frustrated because if I could tell her, I would have. And what I really want people to learn from that is just to understand it and to realize that any type of communication that's safe and gets a point across should be allowed, whether it's what you think happen or not. It's respectful. Yeah. Exactly. Um, can you explain kind of what goes on in your body? Like, is there a sensation that you feel like what's the actual experience feel like when you're like not able to access your verbal speech? Well, I can usually access it. I think, I think just some things are harder. Like when I'm in a board meeting and we're talking like more complicated stuff, I'll, I'll type things on there and then show it to whoever I'm sitting next to to let them know, hey, look, I have something I want to say to the board meeting. Mm -hmm. But also, like, sometimes it, if, if, if I feel dysregulated or overwhelmed or frustrated or if I'm in – or if, if I'm in pain, um – 
it's just really hard to get the words out, to get the words of what I want to say from my brain to my mouth, or to even put what I want to say in in words. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's what a lot of you know, autistic adults who are kind of sharing that they are part-time AAC users um, share that similar experience. How did you first find out about AAC and when did you start trying it? And what was that process like? It's been 11 years now. Um, So I can't remember if I started trying it before or after, but I think it was mostly after I was traumatized and verbally neglected at a summer camp for uh kids and teens with special needs in the summer of 2011 and so i was 18 almost 19 and it aac was a huge help at picking up the pieces after that it was how i told my story and really how i came out of my shell again and really i mean i started telling my autism story one button at a time advocating to med students that was how this all kind of began um that was how i became a self-advocate and i started using what at the time was my voice aac because it was free and i figured if we're gonna try this i'm not gonna invest a ton into it oh and that that summer i had been i got an ipad as a graduation gift so I'm like, all right, we'll try it. And then my voice switched over to being called Go Talk Rocket. And we bought the subscription. And then at some point, maybe eight or nine years, I've been using, I, I switched to Prolo Quota Go. And I mean, I've, there's times when I use it more so than others, but I also, I use my iPad and have used it for interoception. I have a file on there, a folder that's labeled body check that has things on it like how my brain's feeling with different choices in the pictures that are in the curriculum that I learned how the feet are feeling and it takes through each body part. So that really helped when I I was in occupational therapy. I also have feelings words on there and where it hurts. In 2015 or 2016, I started not feeling good and just you could tell something wasn't right. I was crying same tummy hurt hitting myself in the stomach something was wrong and it took us two months to figure out that I had a chronic bladder condition and I can't imagine what it would have been like without my iPad and written communication because I mean when we started I had her is so abstract and requires so much interoception that that there was very little I could tell you. In fact, when you would ask me, where does it hurt? I would just go like this. And basically that would be my definition. So I remember one of the first times I I have a screenshot of when I actually clicked, it feels bladder hurt, which was like huge. Cause we're just, I was just like, wow, like we're getting this, we're getting somewhere. 
And so just for our listeners who are like, what is interoception? Can you define that? Yeah. Interoception is the asensory sense. It's how you feel your body and how you feel emotions and like to know when you're tired, when you're thirsty, when you're hungry, when you have to go to the bathroom, when you're angry and how you know that you're in to know you're anxious and, and to be able to just not go from zero to a hundred. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm hearing you say is that you were really thankful for the AAC because that helps kind of you start being able to recognize and then communicate more precisely what was going on in your body. That, but also with like seven plus years of occupational therapy and like three plus years of of private speech. So there's that. <laughs> right. And that it wasn't just an immediate thing. It was with lots yeah. of probably so a knowledgeable... lot of people working together mm-hmm. and my whole team. Uh, it's been really cool because even my board certified behavior analysis has really seen, and she'll say when I go and speak to her classes, how much she's learned about n- people not always having speech mm-hmm. from me. And so that's really cool. Like I'll never forget one time I was upset and I type, I click something like I'm frustrated, but like within less than 30 seconds, I went to like hit myself with the iPad or bite the iPad. And uh, so I had basically t- typed out, how can we do this differently next time later? And I ended up creating a folder that said, I'm anxious. Then a week later, I walked up, clicked, I'm anxious. I want Spio shirt. Went and got the compression shirt from my backpack, went to the bathroom, put it on. And like, that was it. We moved on. Like, I'm still shocked about it because like, just that ability to communicate in in the moment effectively at a time when I didn't have the ability to go through all those words and process them all to what I needed, but I was still able to get what I needed. I love this. And I think it's so powerful that you're able to kind of share, you know, after an experience like that, how powerful it was to have access to an alternative form of communication, um, you know, or augmentative, I guess would be, you know, the way to describe it. And I think so many of our students who, you know, do have some you know, access to verbal speech still really do need a backup system when they are dysregulated or even if they just prefer using AAC to formulate, which it sounds like, you know, part of the reason that you use it is because when you're in situations um, where you're, you know, trying to communicate at the board meeting, for example, you prefer um, using that tool to kind of formulate your thoughts and get them collected um, instead of using verbal speech. And before AAC, I would, my answer to most things, even when talking to someone I know very well on the phone, when they would say, why do you do that day? I would say, I don't know. When clearly I could tell you, I knew quite well that I went to Target or I did this or I did that. So I would say, I, I don't know very often. And I wondered like, if people really knew how much I knew and how much I, I, I could be a good friend, just that words could be hard. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really powerful message is that, you know, it, 
because sometimes verbal speech felt harder, it was just like, well, I guess I'm just going to say, I don't know, or, you know, just kind of like not try because it was harder. And especially at certain times, it sounds like. So I think that oftentimes our students feel similarly, right? They're feeling like we're making it harder for them by not giving them access to the technology that could help them. And therefore they're less likely to want to participate and communicate with us. Yeah. And I think I just got into this pattern of, oh, if I don't, if I say, I, I don't know, it's conversation over like versus versus, oh, this person's going to ask more. Whereas as I started working on it and I got gained those tools and I don't know with less of an option because people knew I had another, another way to communicate. But I think also it comes down to, um, it comes down to just learning in whatever way I need to communicate. Yeah. And I think, you know, what I'm thinking about in that situation that you just described is when you're in an open conversation with someone and you don't know where the conversation's going, right? Because that's what a conversation is. Someone takes a turn yeah. and then you take a turn and they take another turn. And there's a lot of unexpected turns that could happen in a conversation. And if you don't feel super confident in that moment, um, there's probably a lot of anxiety that can build in not knowing if you're going to be able to kind of perform in the moment and respond in a way that continues the conversation or makes sense, you know? Yeah. and. When I first started typing, some of the stuff that I was typing, we were just mind blown by because it it, it was so like in-depth and way more than I could verbalize, even though I'm so verbal. And I was just typing this amazing stuff that we never heard me really say. That is so amazing to think about. Like, I think we just kind of think about language as SLPs especially, and we're just thinking, well, if they have the word in their lexicon, then they'll use it, right? And so if they have verbal speech, then they'll put those words together. But what I'm hearing you say is that you were able to kind of communicate in a more sophisticated, uh, precise way when you had the technology in front of you, um, which is super fascinating to think about. I have and had all the words, but that ability to strain them to explain what I was experiencing in regards to autism just wasn't there. I mean, that's pretty abstract and pretty complex. Mm -hmm. And when I was given the keyboard and even before AAC, I was like in middle school, I started writing some to communicate. Mm -hmm. And you would just write on like a piece of paper? Yeah. Yeah, which just like in, in 2022, like we don't have to live like that. <laughs> you know, like sometimes we can use now, like if needed, I'll do that. Sometimes I prefer to text someone, which I also consider sometimes to be AC. Sometimes I'll pull up notes. Sometimes I prefer not, actually, a lot of the time. I prefer not to have Prolo Quota go speak sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I just like to type it and show the person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Sometimes I use Proloquo for text because that one I can have on my watch, on my Apple Watch, and I can just show the person. Like when we were at the library, I could show my therapist. It's saying, I want to move to a different room because the the kids in that area were getting loud. It was starting to bother me. Mm, awesome. So you type it out on your phone and then you show the watch to the communication partner. No, it's no. already on. Let me see if I can get it up. It's already on the watch. So you have pre-programmed phrases mm, okay. already into your watch under a under a setting called under a setting called um it's called watch phrases mm, and then okay. it comes up and you can press one wow then, then i need a break it'll say it Amazing. Yeah. So that those pre-programmed phrases, like I need a break and um, some other kind of quick fire phrases that are programmed in. That's awesome. Yeah. Stuff like that. I didn't know that, Chloe. You're teaching me something here. <laughs> I appreciate it. I read it. about it on the internet, I think. The internet is an amazing resource, isn't it? For figuring out new things and really getting a lot of information about the tools that we have that have so much capacity that we don't even realize, you know? Yeah. Okay. Chloe, tell me a little bit about your experience in the classroom that you're working in. Um, you mentioned there's um, a classroom that you are a aid in. Um, and I'm really curious about your experience there. I know you talked before we kind of hit record, you were telling me that you are getting um, some of your students in the classroom are getting AAC. And so just share with me a little bit about the work that you do with yeah, the students. So some of our classroom, in fact, some of the kids in our school in general are getting iPads for AAC, and that's just one of the topic areas that I'm really passionate about and I'm an advocate for, and I really know. So, like, just this morning, I was working with a student who's not even in our room, and um, it's interesting because he has a device I'm not super familiar with, but mm -hmm. I figured it out, and I had him an answering my question to, do you want a fruit snack with with hitting yes with me prompting it and then by the end he was hitting yes and I was like oh my gosh this is awesome he's letting me model this he's not pushing me away this is fabulous and to just the fact that I know or can figure out how to program someone's device from my own experience or that I know what they're going through or that I can advocate that a student that has some words or, or is even verbal that we even consider a device for them. Yeah. Cause I think there's a lot of pushback, right. When you're recommending an AAC system, because oftentimes Sometimes, the response is yeah. they have verbal speech. Why would they need this? Or is that going to hold them back from talking? Right. Which when in I my experience, it's done the opposite. Yeah, it's helped you communicate more effectively, right? And efficiently. Yeah. But I personally like something like Proloquo to go over Proloquo for text because I need the ability to have the visual icons in there because I think so much in pictures. 
obviously on the watch, you just can't do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's so small. Yeah, that's super interesting. So when you can you explain a little bit more when you say you think through pictures? Um yeah. like so what does like, that I see a like? picture and I know like exactly what it means. So like for years we just I think people just assumed that because I could read that we could just use words when really I like those symbols and visuals because it it's easier for me to comprehend it quicker and to know what it means and to really communicate it without really thinking much because I can just quickly scan it versus the words I have to read each and every single one. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that that has been some feedback we've had from other AAC users that have been on the podcast is that the typing and words in general aren't always faster. Um, And it sounds like that's been your experience too. Although I am really fast at at the keyboard on Proloquitico. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you use word prediction? Mm, Sometimes, but I, I can also just type pretty fast. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I'm sure you use different, sometimes you use the symbols, sometimes you use typing, you're kind of going yeah, in and out. Yeah, it just depends. But that's kind of why I waited so long before switching to Proloco for tech, before starting to use Proloco for text. But then with, with the watch, I was like, all right, if we, we can have both, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really accessible. And like, it's really nice that you kind of have it on your wrist. Yeah. Okay. So Chloe, tell me what advice you would give. So you have this really amazing experience of kind of your journey towards AAC and how beneficial and helpful it's been, you know, for either other AAC users or autistic adults, maybe, or even parents of, you know, autistic kids. What piece of advice would you give about AAC given all of your experiences and the journey you've had? That if you're considering it and wondering if it's even a possibility to just go for it, try it. If it doesn't work, at least you can say you tried it. I'll never forget. I did this webinar about maybe a month ago. And the last question that the mom asked the panel was about communication for her verbal son. And my answer basically was I'm verbal and I still benefit from the use of an iPad. I really recommend you get this and this grant cycles open. And then just last weekend, I think it was, I was at an event for it and I, I, I saw her there and she walked up and introduced herself as that mom. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah. That's awesome that you had, you know, the ability to share that. And, and with all of our listeners too, I think it's just such a great experience that you have and you're able to so, you know, wonderfully share your experience and hopefully help a lot of other students, um, who are also struggling with communication. And, you know, we have the opportunity to change that trajectory, right? sounds like you were an adult who then realized AAC could be useful. Um, but how many students out there who are in school who might have some verbal speech, but you know, they could really benefit from AAC. So hoping that this gets AAC in the hands of more students who could benefit. Yeah. Tell me, do you have any fun stories to share? You've shared a few already, which I really loved. Yeah, I think those are the ones I can I I can think of. 
I'm trying to think. I feel like you told a story. Did you tell the story with your student who just got the the AAC? I know you just. Oh yeah, no. He we had a student I was working with today who loves the book Brown Bear, and he, I had just programmed it with books, and so I gave it to him, and he hit a different book, and I walked across the room and grabbed it and brought it to him, even though I knew it wasn't what he wanted. Because I wanted him to figure out that, like, you you press it, that's what, it's not going to be brown bear. Right. And he quickly figured out that he wanted brown bear. So he quickly figured out how how to communicate that, uh, that brown bear, that's the specific thing that he wanted. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which I love. I love that. Um, I have a question that I ask people who come on the podcast, Chloe, and it's if you had a billboard that everyone read, what would your billboard say? That communication is more than just having verbal speech. Love that. That's a really important one to kind of normalize the fact that we all use all different forms of communication um, and they're all equally valid. Yeah. Love it. What is next on the horizon for you? You're a a busy woman doing lots of things for the community, lots of advocacy work. Um, uh, What is kind of on the horizon for you? I want to continue to speak on conferences and educate and advocate. And within the next few months, I hope to move out on my own with a roommate with some supports in place. Love that. And yeah, I mean, you heard it here first, guys. Chloe wants more speaking events. So hopefully this podcast will get you more of those. And Chloe, we can meet in real life at a conference that we're both presenting at. I feel like nowadays that's like far and few between. And I do so much on Zoom. Yeah, but so do I, to be honest. (laughs) I do a lot on Zoom, but it's really fun being in person with people. It is. I did my first one go last week and I was like this is fun yeah it is it's like a different energy when you're with a group of people and you also can create an experience um you know that's different than when you're just kind of virtually with people um you have the ability to have more rich conversations and really connect with the audience that you're sharing your information with so um I I hope to see you at a conference soon yeah How can people get in touch with you, Chloe, if they're interested in either booking you for a speaking event or just learning from you or they have a specific question? I have a website, ChloeRothschildAST.com or I have a Chloe Rothschild public figure Facebook page. But if you want to book me for an event or email a question, you're better off going through my website because even though I have messaging on my public figure Facebook page, I really don't look at them often. And I get so many there that I just don't really use that feature. I can understand. I get a lot of DMs too that I have to like, I forget about. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many messages in here. (sighs) All right, Chloe. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience. I'm super excited to share this episode. Thanks for having me. So for Talking With Tech, I'm Rachel Mado, joined by Chloe Rothschild. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.